Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another Reach Markets Meet the CEO session. My name is Warwick Lace. I'm the Head of Invest Relations at Reach Markets, and I'll be facilitating the session for you today. The purpose of these Meet the CEO webcasts is to give you, the investor, direct access to companies that you may be considering investing in. So we invite CEOs on here to tell their story and to give you the opportunity to ask them questions about their companies. Uh, we host the session every alternate Wednesday at the same time, 12 o'clock, uh, with three new companies presenting each week. Advice or information in today's presentation is general in nature and does not consider your personal circumstances. You need to consider for yourself whether it is appropriate for you. Ava, risk is uh, all about, uh, Rob, the uh, risk management industry. I, I guess the priority for, uh, for many boards of large companies and governments um, in recent years has become uh, risk management. Obviously, there's been a few embarrassing breaches and um, failures of, uh, of risk management uh, that uh, have attracted large, uh, large attention from, um, from, from newspapers and media and obviously from the, the corporate world. Uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how uh, Ava approach uh, risk management. Uh, so the controls of the presentation are yours now and uh, we'll let you get into it. Great, thanks very much Warwick and, uh, and good afternoon. And I think you're spot on. I think uh, risk management obviously is embedded in all large organisations, government organisations and um, the AVA risk group certainly have a role to play in that. And I'll step through the uh, presentation. So, right, so jumping straight into what makes up AVA risk group. Um, the slide that you see at the moment actually shows the three types of products and service groups that we have within the group. Uh, I'll start with the right-hand side, which is the services division, and their brand or their name is AVA Global Logistics, and they're involved with the uh, global logistics for high-risk valuables, precious metals and currency. So precious metals, they'd be moving that, those materials, let's say, from the mines you know, through to refiners to the uh, banks or bullion traders. And the, the uh, bank notes, of course, that would come from a bank note printer through central banks to the bulk commercial banks. The movement of those valuable assets obviously requires significant control of the risks, um, the physical security through all elements of that transfer and uh, the service that they provide is very much focused on those mobile high value assets as they go through uh, the international logistics phase. And I'll talk a bit more about their differentiation in a, in a moment. Um, they have been in, uh, in this operation for a fairly short while, only a few years, but they've grown quite significantly through, that, uh, through those three years. The other two we group as a technology division. And again, you'll see two brands, uh, one of them called BQT Solutions in the middle. And uh, they have two main security focused technologies. Uh, one of them being high security locking, where they have some very unique IP, intellectual property, in a number of smart locks, um, including some intellectual property of self-aligning locks that overcome some of the issues that uh, occur in the industry with the robustness and reliability of uh, access control door locks. Door locks. They also have um, access control readers, but 
Um, although they do have a commercial off-the-shelf type of reader, really they're very much focused on custom encryption and they can provide very unique encryption solutions for large users such as government departments. And so their capabilities are quite unique in the market and are very much at the leading edge in terms of encryption standards, uh, management of security keys, management of access control cards and so forth. And then on the far left we've got future fibre technologies and uh, the fibre obviously forms a key part of that technology and uh, with future fibre technologies they have a security sensing technology that is actually based on a fibre optic cable and they're able to turn that cable into a high sensitivity security sensor. Uh, this technology is applied to um, perimeters and we're thinking about large assets, large infrastructure such as government, military, transport, oil and gas types of facilities. Uh, it also can be applied along long linear assets such as pipelines where there's often a or usually a fibre optic cable already installed along with that pipeline that is used for communication purposes and we can turn that into a security sensor and also data network protection and um, some of the uh, investors in uh, AVA will be well aware of a very large contract uh, and licensing arrangement that we have for that application and technology in India where it's a significant licensing program. Um, the bottom area is condition monitoring and obviously the fact that we can sense a lot of information off the fibre optic cable wherever it is deployed means that we can actually apply it to non-security types of applications and we did announce last year and launch our first major solution in that space which is targeted conveyor belt monitoring where we can actually provide predictive maintenance information about the condition of all of the bearings along a conveyor belt. So that has significant impact in terms of the operation, the safety and the reliability of conveyor belts in the mining industry. Um, also we have a number of other applications again wrapped around fibre optics that are already embedded in various infrastructure and in various applications that I can talk to a bit further. So that's what we do. The next thing is well where do we apply it and what's uh, the type of markets and how do, what is the go to market for those various solutions. Again I'll start on the right with the services division and they've got a quite a very differentiated model compared to the very large players in the market and the reason for their rapid growth is that differentiated model. Uh, they do very much focus on the quality assurance aspect of the entire uh, shipment and how it is moved internationally and within country and therefore they actually use a large number of in-country partners that look after the internal movement and that will be between secure sites, the airports, um, you know, vaults, end users and they're able to select the best of the rest and they're able to use them very efficiently and effectively which means that they can always provide the highest value service but at a, a low fixed cost base whereas the major players in this industry will have very large fixed costs because they'll actually own all of the infrastructure, the trucks, the warehousing, um, though all the staff will be permanent employees. You know, we, we can access that as needed and be very efficient in our model so our operating costs are quite low. 
even though the margin is of the market is huge, you know, over a billion dollars, um, it is very much a recurring services model, whereby once you get in with a customer, and if you perform, you will get every year, year after year, under that contract, a sizable percentage of their international logistics. And as they perform well, they will increase their share of that. But they've also been adding quite a number of customers to their uh, base. So that's been growing as well as their share of that particular customer spend. The, the gross margins uh, amongst the group gross margins are at the lower end. It's a service, uh, not a product sale. But they are um, quite high for the industry. And again, those gross margins along uh, with the low OPEX obviously quickly turns into profit, which they've passed through that profitability curve last financial year. Uh, amongst the technology division, you, again, BQT with its um, uh, smart locks and its uh, readers and access control technology, it's got an interesting blend of what we'll call commercial off-the-shelf product. Um, in a way, the readers all go through distribution and they've obviously been working at expanding that distribution profile. And they have signed now distribution agreements with two of the world's largest locking distributors. And so we see sizable growth for their technology in the years ahead. In terms of the more custom product, uh, such as the um, access control readers, they've uh, secured a sizable contract with the Australian Department of Defence, which is rolling out at the moment. So that's a few million dollars of readers that's going through that refurbishment cycle with the Australian Department of Defence. And again, with many Australian government uh, departments, their unique capabilities in terms of custom encryption um, is very much appreciated. The blended margins for that business is around the 40 to 60%, depending upon the mix of the uh, distribution product and the higher value custom product. Most importantly, again, highly credible, you know, with a large install base. So they have uh, high credibility in the industry, uh, high performing products. With future fiber technologies, again, we've been pioneers in this application of fiber optic sensing for security purposes. And globally, we're in about 70 countries and we have about two and a half thousand systems deployed. <clears throat> and uh, we have a primarily products model historically, but it's very much getting towards a more balanced products and services model. And I'll talk to that one a little bit later. Gross margins tend to be around the uh, 65 to 80% margin and margin growth very much coming from a different go-to-market that we've been developing, which is a licensing of the technology. And that gives us very, very high margins. We, we license the technology. We don't have the cost of goods sold. We have quite limited support requirements in OPEX and obviously gives us a very, very good return. This is a very busy chart, but just to show the credibility of the, uh, the group, um, you can see uh, some of the world's um, high security sensitive organizations in the world through to very large um, government organizations, through to oil and gas uh, and uh, transportation hubs. And then along the bottom, you'll see some of the world's best known uh, security system integrators that all use the group's products. So again, highly credible, well known, exceptionally strong reference base of customers and the good thing about that customer base is when uh, AVA with its BQT or its FFT brands get in to a customer, 
we of course want to land and expand, uh, not only to do more of their infrastructure, but also be heavily involved with future upgrades and expansion. And there's been a lot of work going on in terms of the way we produce the product and the software to obviously enhance that capability in the years ahead. So onto the actual uh, highlights for the last financial year. So the group did report very good revenue growth, um, up nearly 50% over the prior financial year. Uh, the highest growth area was from the services division, uh, up nearly 60% over the prior financial year, but still good strong growth from the technology division, and they're up about 34%. So you can see total group revenues around $46 million. So the growth in revenues, we'll show a few charts on just to see how that looks over the past few years. But what was exceptionally good about that growth is that it wasn't done uh, in a manner that was consuming cash. We generated uh, $6 million in operating cash flow and we also increased gross margins. And again, uh, the reasons for that were based upon the model uh, we had in terms of growing the business and how we're generating revenues from a mix of services, product, and licensing. Uh, the good thing about going forward is our position is very strong in those customer bases that we have. We have a good product range, but we're also expanding that in terms of getting into uh, further applications where the technology can be applied. The other exceptional thing about the group is the uh, leadership team, management team, and, and the staff. Uh, they're all experts with deep market sector knowledge in their respective areas. And moving forward, we see the capability of the existing sales force, uh, the strong pipeline of opportunities we've got in technology, uh, the addressable market, and our credibility very much underpinning future growth and some of the other initiatives that we have underway. So again, looking forward, um, obviously building upon the growth, building upon the addressable spend, building upon the qualified sales pipeline, we're also well funded with $6.7 million cash at bank. So we've actually increased the cash at bank. Um, we've obviously addressed that recently a little bit with a, uh, and a uh, dividend, with the inaugural dividend paid by the company. And that was very much based upon the board's uh, view of the strength of the business going forward. Uh, we obviously wanted to form a view about how we would be going in the year ahead, notwithstanding COVID-19, et cetera, to make sure that we, uh, we're very confident and comfortable that we could obviously share some of that strong performance with the investors. So the, the improvement over the year in uh, EBITDA, uh, positive 7.4, was a turnaround of 10.3 million, so quite significant. And again, the reasons for that were not just one thing. There was revenue growth from all three of those businesses that had been obviously worked on in prior years. But the fact that we're able to improve margin, get some licensing contribution as well, and you'll see the OPEX was very, very well managed through that process, which gave us the very, very strong EBITDA. So looking ahead, we've obviously got more products that we've uh, recently launched. And we see two of those products announced last year were the Aura IQ Conveyor Health Monitoring Solution I mentioned earlier. We've got already a strong qualified sales pipeline and a number of proof of value deployments that are occurring um, both in Australia and internationally. 
and those proof of value deployments will be expecting to turn into commercial sales um, as the industry gets to understand the capability of this brand new technology. We're also turning the, uh, the services side of the FFT business much more into a product. So we've got tremendous opportunity in terms of providing remote support, remote installation, and obviously uh, upgrade solutions from both the install base and also all these sales that we achieve in future years. So we now have a program that's rolled out in terms of the productization of comprehensive multi-year maintenance agreements. And we also have work going on in terms of the software capabilities to enhance that capability to deliver those services uh, in many cases remotely as well. So we'll continue to invest in the profitable sales of the, uh, um, of the uh, capital equipment and services channels. We're going to continue to uh, produce solutions that we believe are highly differentiated. And we're also expanding into adjacent markets to get additional growth curves on the current technology base that we have. And recurring revenue obviously is most important with our strong base uh, and the solution modifications that we've made and appropriate focus within the sales team, we're very confident of increased uh, recurring revenue and um, uh, capital equipment sales from that install base. The year-on-year -year comparison in terms of financials, obviously we've spoken about the revenue growth. I think the uh, other thing to note is the uh, gross profit margin improvement. And again, growth did not come through uh, having to sacrifice any of the margins of the uh, products. Operating expenses, you'll see are down. And again, very close focus on OPEX and uh, a lot of work went on in terms of approving and consolidating operations as appropriate as we're growing and obviously generating the strong profit that you'll see. On the right-hand side, you'll see the split of revenues at the top between Ava Global, BQT and FFT. And obviously Ava Global has now become, just become the largest part in terms of revenue. But that will be interesting going forward because there are some large programs on the technology side that will contribute in a sizable way in the year ahead. So uh, that, that pie will probably move around as, we, uh, as they both go through their growth profile. The EBITDA contribution, of course, is slightly different. And again, over global, still strong uh, EBITDA contribution, but obviously at a lower margin. Uh, BQT, again, its uh, profit contribution or EBITDA contribution a bit larger than its revenue because its margins are a bit higher than the services. But FFT has got a lot of success from its licensing model, which is at a, a very, very high, near 100% gross margin. So therefore, sizable contribution from FFT uh, based on the success of the licensing uh, program that they had. Uh, looking at the balance sheet, obviously uh, good growth in terms of total equity. Um, cash, obviously the most important one, so exceptionally strong cash balance at the uh, end of the year, expected increase in receivables. Again, interesting, inventories are well managed and going down and we'll continue to focus on making sure that we're not tying up cash in inventories as we go forward. And therefore, we've got really, again, uh, all the uh, pointers are heading in the right direction. So the focus is on growth, managed growth, profitable growth, and obviously efficient use of uh, cash. Also, I'll note there's no borrowings on the balance sheet, of course.
I think this gives a much better perspective of what's really been occurring over the past four years. So the top left-hand corner, you'll see the revenue growth actually has been quite consistent and there should be no surprise from uh, uh, that particular growth continuing. So that basis has been the trend for a number of years and what's really been occurring is, as I said, focus on OPEX. There's been investment in past years in product. Uh, there's been investment in solutions and obviously that investment um, as uh, primary investment in the, in the core new products has been completed and now we're into a sustainment phase and an expansion phase of those investments in terms of new technologies. Uh, that doesn't have as high a cost base for sustainment and the, uh, and the ability to take it into new markets. We'll continue to invest of course, but the major investments have occurred. Operational efficiencies that have come from consolidation are also impacting. So in the financial year 2020, we obviously saw that sizable improvement in terms of the profit and in terms of cash flows. Again, looking at the four-year period, um, the top one obviously just shows the OPEX as a percentage of revenues is now at a, an appropriate sustainable basis and it's at a basis for sustainable profits and obviously the overall OPEX may need to go up slightly but it actually is at a very strong base to sustain the business um, for the year ahead with some modest requirements going forward. So we don't see any significant major needs for uh, OPEX or CAPEX expansion but obviously we'll be monitoring that and making the appropriate investments but we're very clear on the investments that we've made and how to uh, capitalise those on the current growth strategies that we have. Um, in terms of cash um, at bank, obviously cash went down through the investment phase and now is back into strong growth as we're uh, generating strong profits from those prior year investments. So if we look at the uh, FY20 guidance um, that we've put out to the market, we're obviously still seeing strong revenue growth. We've still got the long, large qualified pipeline and uh, customers obviously still have a spend. We're obviously monitoring very closely uh, COVID-19 impacts, but we're confident enough to still forecast a 60% growth in the first quarter over the same quarter of the prior financial year. And obviously, as I've mentioned, we're going to the year with a very strong balance sheet with uh, 7.7 .7 million cash at bank and the confidence of the directors was such that we recently announced a dividend to investors. So in the year ahead, we still believe that we're going to have a very positive EBITDA and to grow um, without putting a strong number on that at the moment. But one of the things that would underpin that growth is the licensing contribution from the Indian MOD project uh, we forecast to be over $11 million. So that's more than two and a half times or around two and a half times the contribution that we saw in the prior financial year. Uh, we also expect to get contribution from the investments in new product launches and I did speak earlier about the Aura IQ and that we're expecting that we'll get the commercial uh, sales from those proof of value trials underway and that that will accelerate through the year. And for the that particular program, it actually has a very strong recurring revenue component. So there is a CapEx component, but because we're actually licensing cloud-based analytics and information, there is a fee 
for that data that will be recurring revenue for the years ahead. And we can add features and we can add capability to that reporting as we get more and more data. There'll be more and more features added to that particular solution that will be able to be monetized as well and sold as increased recurring revenue. Um, the other launch was the uh, focus upon the recurring revenue from the large install base that the technology group has. And as I mentioned, that's been productized and has had good interest in terms of multi-year contracts with a number of the larger users that we have globally. So finally, look, we're continuing to invest on the investments that we've done uh, to grow the sales. We're extending the product performance and fit into adjacent market segments outside of the traditional security ones. And obviously, we continue to provide exceptional customer service and uh, we expect from that the ability for them to um, take a lot of interest in the recurring revenue service opportunities that we're offering them. We're running a bit long, so I'll just have to jump in here. We've had a lot of questions come in, um, sure. which we won't, have, we won't have time to go through all of them. But um, what I would, uh, what I'll do is I'll, I'll get them over to you, and you can uh, go back to to the um, the questions and the investors in your own time. But maybe just uh, to cover off a couple of them, um, uh, cyber security is that is that something on the um, on the radar and something you're you're looking at? Look, there's two aspects of that. Um, there's the application of our technology to cybersecurity applications. And I mentioned that very large licensing contract. That actually is a network security program where we're actually providing security to the fiber optic network that's used by the military. So we'll be actually providing advanced information about any attempts to interfere with or tap into that fiber optic cable. So that's a classic sensing solution for our technology. And now that we've got a major program, we're expecting that to be uh, taken on board as, the, as it's understood that if you can get to the fiber, you can get to the data. And that's, yep. the, uh, that's the risk they face. But on our product side, we have software, we have an appliance, we have a solution. And we actually have our internal cyber assurance program where we actually assure our products to the highest standards as required by the US Department of Defense. We're on a number of US government sites and we've got to obviously comply to their cybersecurity standards and we okay. do that internally as part of our own product development in software. Okay, a few of the other questions, sort of people just trying to get their head around the, uh, the OPEX and CAPEX and uh, you know what that'll look like in, um, you, you dealt with it uh, on a couple of the previous slides, but just, uh, just maybe in summary, um, you know, what does what does OPEX and CAPEX look like, and um, sort of how does that support future future revenue? Well, yeah, absolutely true. So clearly, um, we've got a very in the technology side, very much a highly high credibility in terms of a large install base, and we hadn't productized the ongoing services, and it was very much a um, a minor focus of the company in past years, but. With that large install base, now that we're productizing the ongoing services, you know that will grow from you know the 10%, 15% of sales to something much larger, and we expect that to grow, you know, towards 15, 20, 30%. But more importantly, baked in year after year, it also gives the ability to add value-added services because the product that we're offering today is really the first generation of um, support services. 
and inbuilt into the software we're adding features that will enable us to actually provide much more support but remotely in the, uh, in the ongoing maintenance and performance of that equipment. We're also looking at how we can upgrade the algorithms for site-specific data to be incorporated in all of the classification algorithms that are used on high security sites. So that will definitely increase. Licensing is actually another interesting one where we can license on an annual basis technology. So that large Indian MOD program, uh, it, that will be looked at in terms of reproducing it for other large users. And the good thing about it is you can generate revenues, margins will be higher, but your OPEX is very low. You don't need a large uh, in, uh, sales team, you don't need a large support team if you could license and partner through those that already have that infrastructure. So it puts no drain on either your capex, capital, no drain on your OPEX, and you can keep focused with your current sales and tech support team on the core yeah. markets you're in at the moment. Very good. Thanks for that, Rob. Um, very interesting time for uh, people to be looking at, uh, looking at the story and uh, hopefully getting on board. Thank you. No worries. Thanks, Rob. That's all for me. Keep well and chat soon.